are glad that you joined us today. God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we want to hear about it. If you've been impacted by Fuel Church, share your story with us by emailing mystory at thefuelchurch.com. And to learn more about our worship experiences, visit our website at www.thefuelchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Take a series where we talk about the blessing of God. We talk about the generosity that we hold dear to our heart here at Fuel Church. And we talk about money. There you go. Someone just checked out right there. A preacher once said this. If you want to create a hush among your congregation, talk about people's kids, talk about their sex life, and talk about money. (laughs) And so this is one of those weeks. Uh, For the next few weeks, we are kicking off our series, This Is What We Do. And um, if you've been here for any amount of time, you will know right away, we are not that church that pushes people to give, that... Uh, pressures people to give or begs people to give. We are not that church that will solicit finances through the mail. We are not that church that says, if you don't give, you're not a part of the church body here at Fuel Church. That is not us. We are not that church that says, if you give $1,000 in 1,000 days, you'll receive a miracle from God. We are not that church that will send a, a prosperity green handkerchief to your mailbox and tell you if you give, there's going to be a miracle in your house. Amen? Amen. That's not us. So I just want to be very clear uh, for those who may have um, maybe a bad taste about church and money, but I also want to be very clear that Jesus had a lot to say about money. Actually, he talked more about money than he did heaven and hell combined. And money's a very important part of all of our lives. And so We must take some time throughout the year. Uh, My role as the shepherd, as the pastor of this house, is to to give you a well-balanced diet. And um, it it, it would shame me if I didn't tell you all that God has to say and uh, if I didn't teach you God's economic system when it comes to our money. Because there's some principles found in God's word, as we're going to see in the next few weeks, that can radically change your life. So whether you're a skeptic in here, maybe you're like, yo, this is my first time and you're going to talk about money. I said we do it once a year, (laughs) not once a month. Amen. Just relax. Everybody breathe. I can feel the tension in the air. I can feel it. Just go like this. (sighs) Some of you couldn't even do that. You're so tensed up. Well, there's a reason you're tense about money and we're going to get to that here in a minute. And I believe if you'll lean in, whether you're a skeptic, whether you're a believer of this, whether you've had a bad taste in your mouth, whether uh, you turned on the TV and seen somebody um, just, just representing the church and Christianity in a wrong, negative way, uh, I want to ask you to lean in for the next 30 minutes, and uh, I believe that God can speak to all of us through his word. Amen? Are you good with that? So we're going to kick off our series called This Is What We Do. This series is all about the blessing and the generosity that God desires for each and every one of us who follow Christ to walk in. And through the next few weeks, we're going to learn how to move from a scarcity mindset to have an abundance mindset. Also, we're going to talk about the joy of giving and how generosity and giving 
are foundational parts of who we are as a church and foundational parts as who we are uh, as Christ followers. And because of what God did for us on Calvary, because of what God did by sending his son and being generous to us, this is what we do as Christ followers. This is what we do. And so um, you're going to discover uh, real fast, uh, if you've been here at any, for any amount of time, that at Fuel Church, we love to be generous. Someone say generosity. One of our core values is this. We will lead the way with irrational generosity. What does that mean? It doesn't make sense at, at sometimes how we will bless others and how we'll be, we will be a blessing to, to people in need and people in our community and other uh, outreach and mission organizations. But we will lead the way with irrational generosity. And, and so that is part of our DNA here. So, so let me ask you, how many in here would say, I'm a pretty generous person? Come on, raise your hand. It's okay. I'm a pretty generous person. Um, and I would say this, there are many generous people in this church. There are many people who lead the way with irrational generosity. There are many people who, who are just fired up about the work of God at this place. And uh, I'm so thankful for the generosity of so many of you here. And um, we believe here that it's more blessed to give than to receive. We firmly believe that with all of our hearts. And I celebrate the generosity of many of you in here. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people who get uncomfortable when you talk about generosity and giving. There are a lot of people. Some of you are tensed up right now when we're talking about being generous and giving. Um, And the truth is most people in our country are not generous. That's the truth. In the country at large, we're not generous. And if you would ask people uh, within our community, within our state, they would say they're pretty generous because they give something, right? We put the coins in the little red pot once a year, right? We're gen- we, we are generous. We give something around the holidays. But, but there's something different that I want to talk to you about because giving and being generous are two different things. To be generous is to position your life around the thrill of being used by God to make a difference. I'm going to say that again because that's important. To be generous, to be generous is to position your life around the thrill of being used by God to make a difference in somebody's life. There's a difference between giving and being generous. A couple thoughts about Americans at large. Uh, most Americans don't feel rich, but we are, number one. And then most Americans think we are generous, but we aren't. We aren't. Um, most of us don't feel rich because we look to our neighbors or we look to somebody we work with or we look to someone else in the community and, and, and we see that they're a whole lot wealthier than we are and we compare and so therefore we don't feel like we're rich. But When we compare our lives to those around the world, we are very rich. We're a very rich people. Actually, if you drive a car, how many drive a car in here? You have at least one car. If you drive a car, that puts you in the top 9% of the wealthiest people in the world. Top 9% if you have a car. And so we're blessed as a nation. We're blessed as people, but we don't even know it, right? 
And, and so most of us in here had an experience like this throughout our week. Some, most of you every week, some of you every other week, maybe once a month. But you got in your car, which is climate control, right? Um, you hit a button that put hot air to go up your bum. Your buns is warm, right? And, uh, and, 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 and you went and drove to your favorite restaurant where you sat down, you didn't even need to look at the menu because you've been there so many times, you know what you're going to get. Someone came to your table and asked what you want. They take your order. They take your order back to the kitchen and someone cooked you a meal. And then they brought the meal to your table. You ate the meal. You burped. You paid the check. You didn't have to wash the dishes. You got up, got back in your climate control car, the one with the fuel bumper sticker on the back. Yeah. And, and you drove back to your house. You pressed a button. You pressed a button and it opened this door for your car to have a home. And the door opens and you drive in and you don't even have to be a part of the elements outside because now we have homes for our cars. Some of them climate control, Right. You get out of your car, you go into your house, you look at your house and you have a refrigerator full of food, you have a pantry full of food, you go to a bed that is comfortable, amen, you fall asleep, you wake up the next morning, you walk into a closet full of clothes and you say, I don't have anything to wear every day. Our dressers are full, our closets are full, our refrigerators are full, we have an abundance of food, we have an abundance of blessings, but yet we don't feel like we're rich. Can I tell you today that you are rich, that God has blessed your life, whether you see it or not? Problem is, if you ask the average American, are you generous, most would say yes, but they really aren't. And the stats say it because the average American who makes less than 100K a year, which would represent most of our congregation, the average American who makes 100K or less only gives 2.8% away. But then you take a step further. If you make over 100K a year, that percentage goes down. Those people only give 2.6% away. And let me tell you what, that's just not generous. It's not. And so, but as Jesus followers, we do something totally different. We lead the way with the rational generosity. We believe it's better to give than to receive. We believe it. You see, the reason people don't give more is because they think they can't give more. Because I don't know anybody in here who wouldn't love to give more. It's a mindset that I want to talk about. It's a cycle that we get in, and you're going to find yourself in one or two of these cycles that we're going to talk about. But the first cycle that we find ourselves in is a cycle of fear. It's a cycle of, I'm scared. It's a cycle of, if I give, I won't have enough. It's a cycle of, I have more month than I do money cycle. Come on now. It's called the scarcity cycle. Someone say scarcity. 
It's called the scarcity mindset. And if we have this scarcity mindset, it puts us in this cycle of never enough. It puts us in this cycle of I'm fearful of the future, so I'm just going to hold on to what I have. And, and we're always worried, and we're always, we're, we're always checking our bank account, and we're always scared. And so it really paralyzes us when it comes to giving, the scarcity mindset. It's a cycle. And here's kind of how the cycle goes. God supplies in our life because he's supplied the job that you have, right? He supplied the education you have. I know you thought you did it on your own, sir, but God was with you. He gave you the wisdom. He gave you the understanding. God supplied you with a job, a business. God gave you the vision, the, the wisdom to start that business. So God supplies. And here's what happens in the scarcity cycle. We consume, then we lack, then we fear, And then it starts all over again. We consume again. And we're in this cycle. We're in this cycle of never enough. We're in this cycle of always being fearful. Oh my gosh, did you see what the stock market did? Oh my gosh, you see what's going on in our economy, right? And and the scarcity cycle is connected to this world system. That's what it's connected to. Now, I don't expect a lot of feedback in this message, so it's okay. I'm comfortable up here today. I've been waiting two months to share this message, and I've probably prayed more about this message than I have any message I've ever preached in my life, because you should see your faces right now. (laughs) So God supplies, and the first thing we do is consume. We consume, and at the end of the month, we lack, and our dominant emotion is we feel fear, and then we consume again. 80% of Americans live this way. It's called paycheck to paycheck. 80% of you in here right now are living the scarcity cycle. You live paycheck to paycheck. You got over your head in bills. You wanted something. You You wanted gratification for the moment. And so you took out a piece of plastic that was 35% interest and you got what you wanted because we are impulsive in our spending. And all of us have been there, including the guy with the microphone strapped onto his face. I've been there, right? We don't want to wait for anything. And our culture has said, just just drive up and drive through. And if you don't have it in a minute and a half, then we'll give it to you free, right? And then we complain about it. And so, so we're very impulsive. And so we've kind of put ourselves in this cycle to where, to where giving and being generous isn't even an option. We look at the doctors, the lawyers, the business people, they'll do all that giving. But no, 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 no. God wants you out of this scarcity cycle. He wants to break this over your life. And I don't care if you make 10,000 a year, 100,000 or a half million, God wants to bring you out of this and bring you into a different flow of abundance and generosity. Hmm? It's a cycle of I can't seem to get ahead. There is never enough. I wish I could give more, but it's all gone. All gone. Not enough month for my money, right? It's all gone. And if you've tensed up since I started our talk about generosity, money, and giving, you probably fall into the category of the scarcity cycle. That's probably where you find yourself and, and so I want to show you as Jesus followers, someone say we're Jesus followers. Yes, we are. And uh, I want to show you that we have a totally different mindset as Jesus followers because of what God did for us 
through Jesus. Now, this is what we do as followers of Christ. And I want to talk to you about this cycle of abundance or this cycle of supply that God has in store for each and every one of us. Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians. You'll see it on the screen here in chapter 9, verse 7 through 9. It says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, right? Do you hear that? Don't give if you're pressured, right? You'll never have pressure here to give. We'll always ask you, we will cast vision for what God has told us to do, and we will ask you to do what God puts on your heart, right? He says, he says don't, don't, don't give from pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and if you're going to be grumpy about it, God's like, keep it. I don't want it. If you're going to be like, dang, no, God said, I want cheerful givers, and God will what? What, church? Generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over. Why? Oh, it's not just for my family, but it's for others. Here we go. Lean into this right here because this could be the game changer for your finances. This could be the game. It has changed my life. You're going to hear countless stories of people's lives who are changed from this. Left over to share. As the scripture says, they are They share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. Can I tell you that every time you sow into God's house, the Bible says that your good deeds will be remembered forever. That the Bible also says that you're laying up treasures in heaven. That can you put a price on a soul? 441 people giving their life to Christ since... Can you put a price on that? And what that means is one day people are going to come to you in heaven and say, hey, hey, you, you were faithful to give to Fuel Church. Thank you. Because of your giving, my life was changed. My life was changed. My marriage was restored. My kids were put back on the right because of your giving. So Paul's saying this is what we do as Christ followers. We believe firmly that it is better to give than to receive. Because of what God has done for us, God says, I love it when you give because you're helping other people. And this is the system that I set up. This is the principle that I set up for my message, my message of hope, my message of grace to get out to all of humanity. He says, I love it and people love it. And when you get in this new cycle, you'll come to love it. You'll come to realize the power and potential of generosity, and it changes everything. So let's let's continue on. Verse 10 and 11 says, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. Who's the one that provided your seed? God. God. Seed can be translated money. God is the one that provides your seed to sow and bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of what? generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every good way so that you can always be generous. This is the plan of God. It's not the scarcity. It's not the barely get along. How can you be generous to others when you can't even pay your bills month to month? You can't. So we got to move you out of the scarcity cycle and the scarcity mindset. And he goes on to say, and when we take your gift to those in need, they will thank God. People thank God what I just told you. People are thanking God because of your faithfulness. People are thanking God because you give. 
This is the way God set it up. It's not some get-rich-quick scheme for your life or for the church. No, this is God's economic system. This is the way he set up. He said, I'm going to give my very son. I'm going I'm to give my son for, for my church, and my son is going to leave. I'm going to put part of me again within you called the Holy Spirit, and, and now I want you to go give your life for the very thing my son died for, the church. The church. And so God gives seeds to sow, and he's the one that increases our resources. How does this work? I don't know, but it works. I don't understand everything in this Bible. I'm not that pastor who's going to get up, in there, up here and tell you I understand everything in this book. I don't. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know, but it works. It's worked in my life. It works for many people in here. So about 22% of you tithe in this church, 22%. So about you know, a little over two, uh, two out of 10, two out of 10, which is above average for the national average of ch- uh, churches. But can you imagine what would happen? Can you imagine what we could do for God if, if that went up to three out of 10, four out of five? Out, can you imagine what God could do through you? And that's the thing you gotta, you gotta change your mindset that God is wanting to work through you work through you. He wants to provide finances. So yes, you can be a, bless your family. I believe that's important. Take care of your family, right? I'm not, again, I'm not saying, saying, you know, cancel out your bank account, sell everything, give it to the church. I'm not telling you to do that. If God tells you to do it, do it. If he don't, don't do it. Amen. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you to do that, right? He wants you to provide the scripture to back that up as well for your household. You know, that's important, but he also wants you to provide for the house of God. Is everybody okay? Okay, loosen up. Here we go. This new cycle of supply, this new cycle of generosity goes like this. We give, God multiplies, our faith grows, and then we give again. We give, God multiplies. How does he do it? I don't know. He's God. I don't understand everything about God. Like, like, like how did Jesus come into a virgin Mary's belt? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't get it. How did water turn to I don't get it. How did he multiply the fish? I don't get it. If we get everything in this book, then we don't need God. It's faith that we believe. It's by faith that we receive. It's by faith that you surrendered and believed that over 2,000 years ago, your sins were nailed to a rugged cross. And because of that, that you can have eternal life in heaven and not hell. That's by faith. Everything we do is by faith. Amen. So instead of living in fear of lack, we take this crazy radical faith that makes no sense intellectually, and we tap into God's economy. We tap into God's economy, and we worship God with something called the tithe. Someone say the tithe. What does the tithe do? Well, among many other things, here's the main point today is this, tithing breaks the cycle of scarcity and creates a new cycle of supply. Tithing breaks the cycle of scarcity and creates a new cycle of supply and abundance in our lives. This is one of the many things. How does it work? Well, the tithe means 10%. It means 10% of everything that comes into our lives, we give back to God in an act of worship. Notice we're not giving it 
to a man. We're not giving it to an organization. It's worship. It's a form of worship that we give back to God. Well, I know what you're thinking. Does this even matter? Like, 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 are you going to the Old Testament on this? Well, listen to this. If you go all the way back before the Old Testament law even existed, Abraham returned his first increase or his tithe back to God before the law even existed. Because we, we, we talk about the law and grace here, and we are not under the law. We are under grace. But this was before the law was even existed. It was before the law even was created that Abraham, according to his faith, took the first fruits of all his increase, and he gave it back to God. And then if you go all the way to the New Testament, you find two different times that Jesus talks about tithing, giving 10% back to the house of God. Okay? So when God blesses us, we return a portion back to him in worship through the tithe. And when we do, the seed multiplies, our faith grows, we're able to impact others, and we experience the cycle of supply or abundance because of our obedience. Because of our obedience. And so three thoughts, and I'm out of your way. Three thoughts about the power of the tithe. Number one, the tithe teaches us to put God first. God wants our hearts. God wants our hearts. He always has and he always will want our hearts. And he knows that from our heart to our wallet or our pocketbook is a string attached to it. He knows that money can grab a hold of us. And he said, he said, when you have the love of money, it becomes the root of all evil. Money itself is not evil, but he said, when you love money more than you love me, it becomes evil in your life. And so God wants us to put him First, and so Deuteronomy 14, 23 says this, the purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. It's the purpose right there, to put God first. I know what some of you are thinking right now. I should have slept in today. I hear you. I hear those voices in my head. It's crazy. Telepath, they, they come right to me. Um, I should have stayed home. You know, you're thinking crazy right now, preacher. Like, I love last week, stay on the wall, and I love you punching the wall and beating the crap out of the devil, but I don't know about this whole thing. This is crazy because things are tight right now, and, and, and I really don't want to do what you're talking about. And, and really, for me to do that, I'd, I'd really have to rearrange my whole life around God. Is, is, is that what you're asking me to do? Yes. Yes. Uh, whoa, whoa, wait, preacher. Um, I would have to make some massive changes. And you know I love my Starbucks every day. And you know we love the chilies, chips, and salsa queso. And we got to go there every week. So I would have to make massive changes. Is that what you're trying to tell me? Yes. Yeah. No, no, no hang on, preacher. It would take, like, I just got saved, like, you know, I, it would take crazy faith for me to give 10% back to God. It would take crazy. Are you asking me to have crazy faith? Yes. Crazy faith. That's what it is. Yes. That's exactly what I'm telling you to have crazy faith because here's the truth today, church. It takes faith to give to God first. It doesn't take faith to give to God last. Hear this. It takes faith to give to God the first and the best. When we bring God the first and the best, 
He takes care of the rest. Thank you for the three hand claps. I feel loved in my church today. Mm-hmm. Every time I receive increase from God, it reminds me, it reminds me of everything God has done for me. It reminds me of the cross. It reminds me of the irrational generosity that my God had. And, I, and it reminds me that I can take a portion and I can be generous and I can be obedient and put God first in my life. Number one, the tithe teaches us to put God first. Number two, the tithe builds our faith. The tithe builds our faith and everything in the economy of God is by faith. We grow by faith. We walk by faith faith. We worship. How many in here today came in and you just, you love Jesus so much and you had such a perfect week that you wanted to worship. Some of us came in here and it was hard. We had to worship by faith. Some of us, it just, it took faith to get out of bed to come here today because the devil's screaming in our minds, don't go, don't go. Notre Dame lost, don't go. <laughs> Stay defeated, right? I, it took faith for me to get out of bed, brother. Come on now, but I'm here. I'm here. Look at this, Malachi 3, 10, 11, bring the whole tithe to the storehouse. What's the storehouse? That's God's house. It means God's house. It means the house of worship where God has planted you. If you call this place home, if you're new here, you can just kind of tune out this whole message, right? If you want, you can fall asleep, that's fine. But if this is your house where God has called you and planted you, then, then he says, bring it to the storehouse that there may be food. Someone say food. Talking about spiritual food. In my house. Then he says, Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. How many think that sounds good? We shout about that message until we have to bring the tithe to the storehouse, <laughs> right? And so, so this is the only place in scripture that God says, Test me. So you're out there, you're out there and you're like, yo, I, I, I'm just not feeling this. And I get that. I get that. Maybe you're new to church, bad experience. I get all that. God said, test him, not me. I, I didn't, Jacob didn't say, hey, test me or fuel church. No, God said, I established this principle of the tithe. Who established it? God did. Not man. God did. And God said, listen, I, I know, I know you're kind of shaky. I know you, you, you don't understand it all, but, but test me in it and see if I won't open up some windows of blessing in your life, test me. Go ahead and try it. Go ahead and try it. If God is saying try it, God is saying test me, and he's God Almighty, and he's the supplier of all the resources that you need in life, don't you think God is onto something here? I'll open up the windows. Who's going to do it? God's going to do it. God's going to open up these windows. And he said, you're going to have so much that there will not be room enough to receive it. I just believe that God's economic system is way better than this world's economic system of scarcity, fear, and lack. 90% with God's blessing always goes further than 100% without it. Now, let me just say this. You could walk away from this whole series and say, I don't believe in the tithe. I'm not going to tithe. And that's fine. You are welcome here. You are welcome here. You are welcome here. I want to say that. I want to say that. I want to say that. But please understand there are blessings attached to the principle of the tithe. You're welcome here. If you've made Jesus Lord of your life, you're on your way to heaven. You're not jeopardizing your salvation. We're not saying that. No. But there are blessings attached to it, and I need to teach you about them. 
That's my role. That's my responsibility. And so, so, you know, tithing, what is our point? It builds our faith. It builds our faith. Biblical generosity starts with the tithe, and then it goes beyond that. Because once you start tithing, once you start giving back to God, it becomes something that you get addicted to, and you love blessing people. And next thing you know, you're blessing somebody who a single mom in need. Next thing you know, you got the $100 Pentecostal handshake going on. Come on, somebody. Next thing you know, you're taking a new family out to dinner. Next thing you know, you're going through your clothes and you're so blessed and you got every outfit under the sun and you say, there's someone who's struggling. Next thing you know, you're volunteering for outreaches and missions in our community. Next thing you know, you're just living a life of generosity because it's more blessed to give than receive. Some of you are so grumpy and so mean because you're not living a life of generosity. You're living a scarcity mindset life and you're always fearful and you're always wondering what bad thing is going to happen next. And God wants to get you out of that cycle. My third point, and I'm done. Number one, what does the tithe do? Teaches us to put God first. Number two, the tithe builds our faith. And number three, the tithe provides for the work of God's church. God established the tithe to provide. He says in Malachi 3.10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse or God's house, God's church, that there may be food in my house. How many would say out there today, listening, that your life is different spiritually because of this place? Your life is different. Your family's different. Your marriage is different spiritually because of this place. Why? Because there is spiritual food in this house. Every time you come, there's spiritual food. Your kids are receiving spiritual food. You're receiving spiritual food, right? As the word comes forth, Spiritual food is being delivered. Amen. Just call me Chef Jacob. Come on, somebody. I'm working in the kitchen. What's up? What we got cooking? And so God said, listen, when you bring your tithe to the storehouse, it provides spiritual food for those who are malnourished. It provides spiritual food for those who are searching, those who are broken, those who are hurt, those who are confused in life. And you get to be a part of their spiritual journey when you bring the tithe to the storehouse. Oh, I'm out of time, but I'm not out of notes. Hmm? We hear story after story of lives being changed from this place, and it's only because people bring their resources. It's only because people believe in the principle of the tithe. They bring it to the storehouse, God's house, so that there can be spiritual food served here. I know for some of you, you're like, man, this sounds crazy. This whole message just sounds crazy. I can't wrap my brain around, and I get that. I get that. Preacher, you're wanting me to give 10% of my income, and you're saying God's going to bless me, and God's going to provide, and you're, gonna, you're, you're telling me I'll want to give more after I do that because I'm seeing lives change, and I'm a part of something bigger than myself, and, myself, and then I want to be a blessing to other. Yep, that's what I'm telling you. Because this is how God's economy is set up. He wants to take you from the scarcity cycle. Some of you are in that kind of hamster wheel, just going around and around. And it's been 10, 15, 20, 30 years. And you're like, I I don't understand. I'm going to tell you why you haven't tapped into the principle of the tithe. It changes everything. Changed my life. It changed so many people's lives in this church. And I want to invite you to be a part of the cycle of abundance and supply. Check this out.
uh, just this March, I lost my job. So there was a lot of, you know, bills still kept coming in and things, but I put my trust in tithing, and then I knew that God would supply. By giving, uh, we have seen turnaround so, so big. Like he said, like this March, he lost his job. And um, <laughs> we did not know how he was going to do it, but uh, God showed up and he provided tremendously. It was like, um, no, darling, you're going to get me to crying. It was like, um, we didn't know how we was going to do it, but, and then plus he was in school too. So, and I told him, I was like, well, why don't you just chill and um, go ahead and just go to school and I, you know, I'll take care of things. And in actuality, I was really dependent on God because uh, where I work at, my department didn't have OT. And then all of a sudden it had all kinds of overtime. Like I was able to get overtime so many times when other people wasn't. And like people kept asking me, how did you get OT? How did you get overtime? How did you get overtime? I was like, Nothing but God, because he knows the situation that we're in right now. As I did get older, there were several times that I was hesitant about giving. Um, as Well, like when I first moved out, you know, not knowing how my income was going to be trying to live on my own. And even though I knew God and trusted God, I didn't put my full heart and my full trust in God. Then times would get rough. Then I finally came to the sense and realized that maybe that I do need to honor God and give my tithe. And then I've been blessed since then, and he's always taken care of and met my need. I tithe faithfully now. I'm not saying that. Like one, one week I was like, oh my gosh, this is due, that is due. He need this, we need that. But I already knew that he would provide, so I, I gave anyway. And sometimes... Um, even I went above because I teach children's church and um, I am known as the candy lady. <laughs> and I don't skimp on my candy bags. I love candy myself. So um, in addition to that, that's above and beyond. And I, we, I was um, giving there and I didn't stop. I mean, I know I should have, but I did not. And he still provided, so. I've decided to make that my priority is to give. And I know that my wife, that's her priority to give. But it takes more than just us. It takes everybody to do it. It takes everybody to give, not only of their finances, but of their time. The church can't grow unless people are doing that. And I think that it's pretty relevant that since people have been giving and tithing and you know volunteering with their time, and efforts like that, that the church has grown and it makes it a lot easier to do functions, to bring people in, and to spread the gospel. To give is from your heart and soul. And don't think about it. If you think about it, then you're going to hesitate. And you're going to think about all the things. Well, this could go there. This could go there. Don't worry about that. Leave that stuff behind and trust in Him because He is your heart. It shows you where your heart is. Stand with me. Hey, thanks for listening today. And maybe you're out there and maybe you feel far from God today. 
Maybe life has thrown you a curveball. You've taken some wrong turns. You've messed up. I'm here to tell you about God's love for your life. You know, it's real and it's for you. And, and no matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, God is there. His love is unconditional. And, and the Bible says that if you just confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you're saved. And I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And I just believe that if you say this prayer and mean it with your heart, the Bible says you're saved. And I want to encourage you to tell somebody about this decision. But just wherever you're at, just say, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Change me. Jesus name. It's simple as that. And I encourage you find a good local church. If, if you can get to fuel church, get here. God is moving. God is doing some great things in the lives and families of the people that come here, but find a good church where you can grow in God until next time. God bless you. Have a great week.